We are live. Live. Do you want to take us in? Yeah. All right. So I'm Felicia, owner and registered dietitian at Peraz Nutrition. This is the My RD Journey podcast. So uh, if you're on the perazenutrition.com website, you could find four dietitians section, which is the My RD Journey. Cheers. I'm Adam, producer, in-house, as it goes. Uh, I'm also Felicia's husband, yeah. just to clarify some someone, some folks. Felicia was recently previewed uh, for, or what do you call it? You were featured on another podcast. Oh, yeah. I joined another podcast to to chat that was really fun yeah uh, what's the name of the podcast the path podcast the positive approaches to health so cool. that Check should be out. coming out yeah uh link in the description to um, i guess their podcast they don't do videos i don't think so yeah anyway yeah we'll link in the show notes to mm-hmm. their podcast um you had a good experience right yeah two really great dietitians um so that was really fun and they're not in the same state either so that was cool just to kind of connect country. with people around uh the united states so Sounds good. So we are getting into the stages five and six of mm-hmm. the trans theoretical model. This is part three of a three-part series. If you haven't listened to or watched the first two parts of this series, I encourage you to check them out. You don't need to watch them first, do you? Should you, I guess? Uh, I mean, to, to understand this part, no, because... We'll yeah. do a quick recap of the first four stages, but I will link the other two parts in the description as well as cards here if you're watching on YouTube. So do we want to just do a quick recap? We are talking about stages five and six. This is the trans-theoretical model. It is a six-part theory of the stages of change. Yes. And basically, this explains how people change their behaviors over time. Um, and so there's this um, this series of stages. So the first is pre-contemplation, where someone's not necessarily thinking about change or not aware that they need to change. Contemplation, where someone is thinking about it, but they're kind of on the fence. They're ambivalent. Uh, they have pros and cons that are kind of equal. Preparation, where someone is getting ready um, to make the change and maybe in about 30 days. So they're getting all the things together. Action, where people are doing it. Uh, so they're in they're in it. And then now we've gotten to maintenance, which is the fifth stage that we're going to talk about today. And that's what we'll be getting into. Yes. And then termination, which uh, there's some... Some that recognize the termination stage and some that kind of lump it together with maintenance. So. It is an optional sixth stage. <laughs> That's great. Well, okay. I think we covered our recap there pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pre-contemplation, contemplation. So pre-contemplation being the, what's the saying for pre-contemplation? Um, I, I won't. I can't. Uh, That's what your client are, will be saying if they yeah. are pre-contemplation. And I can't do it. I won't do it. Yeah. And, and contemplation? Oh, contemplation is I may. And then um, preparation? I will. And then action? I am. Okay, and great. And then maintenance is I still am. So I still am. So, <laughs> yes. so all right, let's just let's jump into it. Maintenance. What are the characteristics for this stage? How do you know someone is in maintenance? So generally, once someone hits the maintenance stage, they've been actively doing whatever their change is for the last six months. And that's, you know, we're using timeframes here, and we talked before about timeframes and how they might not be a thing, but... Generally speaking, about six months, people have been doing whatever the change is. So they've been exercising consistently for six months. They've been eating, you know, two cups of vegetables per day for six months. Who does that? That's insane. I do. Anyone but you. (laughs) Um, So they're still still doing it. So I still am is like the phrasing that they would use. They're usually uh, very confident in what they're doing. Um, They are maybe tweaking their goals along the way, too, to make it more challenging. So they're still kind of progressing in a sense, um, but they are uh, really confident and um, feeling good about what they're doing as well. Great. Um, so with clients, they are saying, I still am? Yep. So I still am exercising. I still am eating well. I still am 
cooking at home or whatever it might be. And you know, is is the maintenance is the maintenance stage a hard and fast line? Are people still sometimes dipping into preparation and action if they're changing things? Are they rolling with new things sometimes while they're maintaining other things? It seems like it's kind of a fluid state to be in. It is, and kind of the whole model is a, in a sense a fluid a fluid <laughs> so, a fluid approach yeah so you know people don't necessarily um get to maintenance and, and necessarily stay in it they may actually what's called lapse or relapse so in lapsing they may go back to an old behavior um briefly and then return back to exactly what they were doing or they might relapse back through all the stages and that's not something you know that's um it's a natural part of behavior change so and I, I imagine that some people get to the maintenance stage with something like, you know, their diet, but with exercise or sleep patterns or other things with managing stress, they may be in different stages of this. And that's kind of in your wheelhouse still as a dietitian, I would assume. Yeah. So that covers under like the wellness. And if anyone's um, ever seen what's called like the wellness wheel and there's, ah. there's a, um, it's really cool though, because there's a lot of approaches to it where you like fill in a, these little bubbles to say like how where you are in your wellness journey and you like see how well the wheel rolls. So is, is there a graphic for this wellness wheel? Yeah, that we can I show. Yeah, we can uh, put it in right, and then link it down I'll below. Sh- I'll show the I'll show the wellness wheel if I can find a picture. Yeah, I'll send you one. Um but yeah, it's a it's a there's a lot of stages or no stages. <laughs> We're talking about stages. There's a lot of um components to the wellness and so financial there's also aspects of like financial, emotional, um, you know, the stress aspect, but um, some of them have broad categories um, and then some of, their, some of them are broken down. But, you know, nutrition, obviously, physical activity, those kinds of things. Spiritual wellness is also in there as well. Um, so so yeah. it's possible to be at one stage in the wellness wheel for a certain thing and another stage for a different part of the wellness wheel. Some yeah. of these things may be a bit outside of the scope of a dietitian. I yeah, guess. I mean, in depth, you know, I, I, we talk about stress because, you know, stress can trigger, um, you know, someone to overeat or undereat too. And so it, it's something we still kind of have to talk about some things in a sense um, to be able to kind of explore the food aspect and all of that. But um, and, and one thing just, you know, you mentioned that, you know, someone could be in different stages with different things. And and that's kind of the whole thing is that most people aren't seeing me for one thing. And, you know, your human body, everything interacts with one another. So it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, separate things where it's, you know, I'm eating more vegetables, but also trying to exercise. And then I'm also stressed. And now the holidays are coming up. And there's usually a lot of things that are kind of happening all at once. So absolutely, someone can be kind of in different places. Well, a lot of these things affect one another. If you get poor sleep, you're more likely to overeat the next day, stuff like that. If you're stressed, you're more likely to get less or worse sleep. It, it all affects one another. It makes mm-hmm. sense to have a cohesive approach. That, that wellness wheel sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen it before, and I, I can't remember what it looks like, but that makes sense. So you, you mm-hmm. could be in the maintenance stage for certain things in the wheel and in preparation or action or whatever else for other things on your wellness wheel. So what kind of experiences do you typically have with um, clients that are in maintenance? What's your typical experience with a client who's currently in the maintenance stage? So a lot of times when I'm working with clients and they're in maintenance, what we're really focusing on is um, keeping up with what's called self-monitoring, which would be basically... Self-monitoring? Yeah. So they're monitoring their behavior. So this could be through tracking in a sense. And, you know, we, we kind of highlighted food tracking in the last um, episode, but this could be just like checking off on a calendar the days they go to the gym, or it could be like checking off, um, you know, or creating a menu and posting it on the fridge um, for the week. So it could be like those kinds of things, but any kind of thing where they're tracking in a sense. Um, but this can be really helpful here 
because often when I have clients in maintenance, there's a high chance for them to what's called relapse or lapse. So lapse would be kind of going back briefly, but then returning uh, to where they were or relapse where they would cycle back through previous stages. And this is usually triggered by like stress, boredom, or you know, a family event or the holidays, which we have coming up. So (laughs) that can be a huge piece there. Um, And not to jump us too far ahead, but that's a, that's kind of a stark difference between maintenance and the termination because maintenance, there's that still temptation to say the least, whereas termination, there'd be no temptation to return to previous behaviors. The word termination is kind of doom and gloom. It is a little bit. So, but let's stick with maintenance for a little bit here. So mm-hmm. you're you're essentially labeling self-monitoring as tracking. Yeah. Any yeah. any method of tracking. Is there anything else you would consider self-monitoring? Uh, you can also, well, I mean, it's all kind of down to, to tracking in a sense, but um, it doesn't have to be necessarily so formal um, as in like I'm writing what I ate for the day. Uh, I have clients who track um, or identify, they keep like a food journal um, about their mood and what things worked well. So it doesn't have to be negative of things that they're not doing well or what they miss but even like here's a recipe that went really well or they start keeping like a a binder full of all the recipes they've tried so it's still just kind of bringing a level of awareness to what they're doing Yeah, awareness seems like a really good term for that it seems like it's sort of an approach to keep them aware of what they're doing and what works and maybe what doesn't Mm -hmm. i could see journaling being a part of that too the recipe book would be an awesome idea any kind of app to keep track of what you're doing and, and how you've been doing with it yeah. That sounds like a, a really great way to go. It's, that's probably a, a really important component of, of maintenance, I would assume. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people get so far into like doing all the things and then they get to maintenance and they're doing it well. And then they're like, well, I feel like I'm kind of in a rut. And so being able to kind of consistently challenge themselves or go back to things that worked well for them before. And that especially is true for honestly, like the cooking part and the recipes. Like I have clients who will start trying new recipes and they like this one, they like that one. And then they get to a point where they're like, I don't know what to make next. And here they've made like 50 different recipes. And so being able to like have like a a, a binder or something, you know, where they can go back and say like, oh, that was a good one that I tried a month ago. I, I would, you know, make that again. And so it keeps that excitement, but it gives them that possibility of different things to try. Yeah, I, I think uh, people can go a little a little crazy with uh, recipes if you don't, you don't need a new recipe for every day of the year. I mean, you look at a restaurant menu, it's only got, what, dozens of items, not hundreds. Imagine if you had hundreds of dishes on a restaurant menu, what would you pick? It's impossible <laughs> to keep that kind of catalog. It's funny because I have a lot of clients who have, um, they they just become recipe hoarders. And so they'll they'll save, oh my gosh, they'll save so many on their phone. And actually, you know, sometimes I have clients who prefer to print or write them out because if not, they've like saved a bunch of recipes and they're like, I haven't actually tried any of them, but I keep trying ones that look like saving ones that look good. Um, and so sometimes being able to like, you know, write it out into a, a new small, it doesn't be like a huge binder, but a small little notebook or something like that. And uh, that can sometimes, you know, one, narrow down the amount of recipes and not make it feel so overwhelming when you're like, oh, what do I make? Um, so that could be nice. Yeah, I think in terms of recipes and keeping a good variety, I think a smart way to do it is to get a, a, a handful of recipes for a handful of different categories of dish. Yes. So have a have a four or five different soups you like making, have four or five different stews or crock pot meals you like making, have four or five different things you like to bake and maybe a casserole dish mm-hmm. and so on. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Something on the stovetop, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Like categorize them. Yeah. Yeah. And then and that way you're not going insane where you um, you need to remember 
like all these there's a lot of things that really don't matter with i don't know i i spent a lot of time doing uh catering and, and, and cooking um so it's just a bit of a pet issue for me but i'll, I'll not <laughs> well, let's not dig too deep into that so um we talked about self-monitoring mm-hmm. now the next stage is termination so in my impression is it bad to just stay in maintenance forever? No, and that's where, you know, some people don't necessarily think of a sixth stage of being termination because maintenance is you're maintaining what your your behavior, you know, you're maintaining and you're doing it. Um, and it's being it's consistent and you know, you're you're it's part of what you're doing. And so that's why some people if you look at some of the stages of change and and people who talk about them, they don't necessarily say there's this sixth termination stage. They just kind of leave it at maintenance because you are maintaining what you're doing. So yeah, it seems like the termination stage is maybe not entirely. Not that I, I don't know anything about it. I have no idea. I am I am learning this along with the viewer or listener. Felicia's the expert. I have no clue what any of this stuff is, but I'm asking questions <laughs> and learning as we all are together here from Felicia. So, um, what are the ways that you that you help a client move? forward i guess to move is is termination really an end goal not i mean it is and it isn't so the the whole idea with what termination really is is that you know people aren't necessarily thinking about the behavior anymore so i was actually talking about this um a couple days ago with somebody where it's like you know you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth maybe right away or you eat something and then you brush your teeth but you have a routine and you don't think about it like you don't think I'm putting the toothpaste on the toothbrush or you know I'm flossing if you floss or so like, it's automated yes it's automated and so that's that's kind of the idea with where termination comes from is that it's just a part of what you do you don't think about it and you easily troubleshoot with stuff okay so I think termination is a rather unfortunate way of describing it. Yes. I think um, what might be a more useful moniker would be unconscious competence. Have That's you he- have you heard of the competence? Yes. Um, that little square. So it's unconscious and competence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. You've heard it from me. Yeah. It's a it's another business thing. God, it always goes back to business for me. Go figure. I, I studied business, <laughs> but yeah, unconscious competence is what you want with literally any skill that you're looking to build and create you know if you're playing music you want to be able to have your fingers flow across the keys mm-hmm. of the fretboard or whatever without having to think about oh c chord oh third frets g string whatever you know you just want to be able to do it without thinking about it yeah i guess that's what you're looking for in terms of termination you it's i guess another version of is, is completion yeah that's another kind of terminology it's it's funny i see termination way more but completion i i was reading somewhere and i'm like that that sounds a little better could be but you're not necessarily completed. It's not like you, you're done and you've checked it off. It's just, <laughs> and that, you know, it's like a continuation, which is why people tend to just say maintenance and not termination. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the word completion better there for me personally. So we are looking to progress a client from maintenance into completion, or mm-hmm. I'm just going to unconscious competence. It's a, it's a much <laughs> I more like appropriate term for this. It's unfortunate that, you know, we're looking for one word titles for each stage. I understand the uh, the simplicity of naming the stages, mm-hmm. what they're named, but the the uh, the notion really, I, I think, is unconscious competence. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. But it, one of the things that, like, with this the maintenance and and you know, completion, termination, whatever you want to term it, um, you know, one thing is another example that I've had clients that you know, as they're talking to me about their, their changes is like, you know, their shopping list, you know, before they had to make a conscious effort to say, I need to put vegetables on there. I need to put fruit on there. I need to do this. And, you know, and they have to kind of remind themselves and in itself in a way to make sure it's on there and make sure it's a part of their, you know, meal plan for the week. And then they get to a point where it's just like, 
oh, what kind of fruit am I going to have this week? Oh, berries. And it's more of like an excitement, but they always have fruit on their shopping list. They always have vegetables. It's just what they do. They always, when they're making a meal, they're like, hmm, what would be my components? And they just start throwing things together and they don't think like, okay, I need to find a, and like there's, you know. This is making a lot more sense to me now. I, um, I am learning about this in real time. So maintenance is where people take action and they keep taking the action and they maintain that level of performance with whatever it is, but they do need self-monitoring tools mm -hmm. to maintain it. The, uh, the end goal is to not need those tools anymore. The end goal is to sort of bake it into your progress, your, your process, and create habitual changes yes. to the point where you're not even thinking about it. You're just, mm -hmm. you know, you're just drinking enough water throughout mm -hmm. the day. It's baked into your, t your routine. You're just making healthy food. You always have it available because you have a routine with shopping or ordering food or whatever, where you always have good foods available. You have a routine that you don't even think about implementing. You no longer have to actively maintain it. Yes. It is unconsciously part of your day. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to make is that it's really, you know, the idea of like still having to think about it in the maintenance stage. So you're doing it and you've been doing it, but you still kind of have to like think and plan and be aware of things that can potentially throw you off track. While at the same time, when you move into that termination completion, you're not thinking about it anymore. It's just a part of what you do. And it's not to say that in that termination that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, eat it cookie or things like that and that doesn't mean you've relapsed or lapsed in any way it just could be a part of you know I occasionally have cookies and then that's how it is and you just you know you continue with what you're doing and you don't think twice about it where it's bringing you back into like a spiral of unhealthy eating because you're at the stage where you're just like you know I this is my healthy lifestyle and so you know yeah so you don't want someone to stay in maintenance forever no. You want it to be unconscious and part of just naturally what they do. Yeah, exactly. So what do you do if, if, a, if a client happens to get stuck in maintenance where it never or they have trouble making it an unconscious sort of automatic thing? So some of the things that can happen where people kind of feel like they're getting stuck or kind of in a rut is boredom, to be honest. So um, I think I highlighted it before, but like most people abandon, you know, healthy eating or exercise programs because they get bored. And so making it fun, making it exciting, but not too overwhelming. So we were just talking about recipes. So sometimes that can look like maybe trying one new recipe a week or one new food per week. So like it could be a different fruit or vegetable that they've never tried or they haven't tried in a while, or it could be a different cooking method. So I have a lot of clients who just kind of fall back on like, you know, uh, steaming uh, vegetables. And so that might be bland. So it could be doing like a new seasoning or even a new dressing, but something that's like going to spruce it up a little bit to get them excited about it. And that can help with kind of moving people into this, hey, I can do it and I can make it fun and I keep can keep doing it. Battered deep fried broccoli. <laughs> that could be another one. I guess not. You don't recommend that. Not necessarily. Battered but and deep fried. Not I mean, covered in salt. <laughs> no. Covered in salt. That's a no? oh, that's a lot. Delicious. <laughs> you imagine covered. covered in chocolate. I mean, I, oh, I don't, I don't know. They do have like weirdly. Saute probably saute bake. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, clearly, you're not going to recommend deep frying anything. <laughs> no. Although they do have chocolate. Who would who would deep fry broccoli? Does anyone um, batter and deep fry? Leave a I've comment if you've it, ever actually. battered and deep fried broccoli. Yeah, or chocolate covered broccoli you mentioned. Although I'm pretty sure I saw chocolate covered Brussels sprouts and I don't remember where. So I don't that. think I would go okay, for that. Moving That's kind of gross. <laughs> that sounds disgusting actually. No offense if you deep fry your chocolate covered broccoli or whatever. But Although what I would add about Brussels sprouts just while we're on that topic real quick is that 
I, for one, I hate them steamed. They're gross. Roasted, delicious. So that's one just thing to keep in mind is that sometimes vegetables can taste way better in a different cooking method. So I've had a lot of clients where they are so used to eating like boiled vegetables when they were younger. And so they're like, I don't like vegetables. And then I'm like, have you tried roasting them or sauteing them? And Although, you know, lightly steamed is probably best for bioavailability of the micronutrient content. Yes. Not boiled necessarily. That's steamed. usually. Yeah. Lightly steamed. Lightly steamed. Not boiled to where your broccoli turns brown. Yes, you don't want it. Yeah. You want it to be bright and, and vibrant looking still. We're talking to dietitians. I think they probably already know this. Probably. Okay. So we talked a bit about what happens if a client stops making progress or gets stuck or they plateau. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to add for that? Um, the only other thing I want to add, and actually before I add that, and it just made me think we're talking to dietitians, but sometimes even I do this, I get so far removed from like the basics of things that, um, you know, like we were just talking about steaming and, uh, you know, like sauteing and then like making food taste good. And sometimes it could be really easy as like a dietitian if you've been doing it for so many years, like eating in a certain way that it could be really hard to kind of see what it looks like back at those beginning stages and the excitement and all that. So I'm not saying that you can't connect with clients, but that's just something too is just, you know, I don't know, when we were just talking about Brussels sprouts and all that. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, sure. And um, as a dietitian, I imagine there's value in um, keeping the blade sharp yourself and putting mm-hmm. yourself through some of the paces that you might your clients occasionally. So it might be valuable for you as the dietitian, no matter how long you've been cooking, no matter how long you've been in the termination or completion or unconscious competence stage yourself, take on a new recipe, challenge yourself a little bit, just to kind of put yourself back on your heels a little bit and then and, and make, put yourself back on your heels a little bit as expression too, mm. you know, but um, to put yourself in the shoes of your client potentially mm-hmm. and, and kind of help you empathize with your clients yes. a little bit more. And that's kind of the whole part of be, like the empathy aspect too, is um, being able to put yourself in their shoes, but not assume necessarily, you know, that you know what they're thinking or feeling. Uh, but that's a lot of where we talked before about, you know, asking questions, um, you know, and, and seeing what the client, what will work for the client. And so you kind of unlock what they already know. So we, we've, we've kind of, in a sense, come first full circle talking about, you know, unlocking what the client already knows in terms of you are partnering with them. So you're not telling them what to do, even at the maintenance stage, you know, you're asking what's working well, you know, what things might you want to tweak. And you could still give ideas at this stage but it's done so after asking what they might have an idea about already so that's maintenance for you yes all right so termination <laughs> or completion what are the stages of this stage six in the trans theoretical model so at this stage like we kind of mentioned this is again not necessarily a recognized stage but people are just they're doing it they're not thinking about it they don't have temptation for maybe like an unhealthy behavior necessarily um you know, with maybe someone who has reduced their added sugar content. Um, it's not to say that they won't necessarily have sweets. They might have a threshold where they say, you know, I'll have a sweet here and there, but I'm not going to make a big deal about it. And um, I don't have it every day. It's just when I feel like I want one. Um, and they're in the stage where they can walk by a bowl of sweets and decide, mm, I don't really want that um, and not really think twice about it and, you know, kind of harp on it the rest of the day. Because they're in this stage of, you know, less temptation, basically. And it does take, we, we kind of briefly mentioned this before about, you know, the, how long it takes to create a habit. But um, I was reading, so they say it takes 21 days and 
apparently no Who's one really, I don't know. No one really knows where it comes from. And I was reading a bunch of things and people were like, where does this even come from? Um, but it can actually, temptation can actually continue for up to three years. And then, um, you know, after that is typically when temptation for like an unhealthy behavior or um, like we mentioned, like smoking or inactivity, all that kind of stuff um, kind of falls away where again, it becomes just a part of what people do when they don't think about it. Three years. Yeah. That is an intense amount of time. Usually, so if someone's in for a year or two, they're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, and usually confidence like peaks at about a year where someone's feeling really good, really confident, and like keeping it going, and then still having temptation. So it's not to say at year two someone's going to necessarily relapse completely, but um, you know when they get to generally like a three-year mark is when that so kind of tapers is it off. In, so all right, I, this is slightly off topic, but it's kind of relevant. Alcoholism. Mm-hmm. If you're an alcoholic. They say you're an alcoholic for life, mm-hmm. but if you're three years deep into sobriety, how do you still feel temptation? What's what's going on there? Does uh, that have more to do with like personality and addictive tendencies? Yeah, because there's a lot of other, um, and that's like in the DSM five. I don't know if it's six now or not, but like there's, it's the same with um, like eating disorders. You know, someone can be in you know, active recovery is more so the terminology that they would use there that they still have, you know, a, a condition, a mental health condition, and it's not going to go away. Um, and it's still something that they need to maintain because it can be very easy to kind of get overconfident sometimes or not be aware of certain triggers that could potentially throw somebody into, um, you know, a relapse, which could be six years out. And, you know, that's that's where sometimes a lot of shame can come from with my clients that I work with is that they, you know, have hit a point where they're doing really well and it might have been like a year and it could have been even before seeing me that they were like, everything was on track, I was doing really well and then they have a major life change that kind of throws them for a loop. So maybe they had a baby um, or maybe they... Um, you know, lost a significant other. And so, of course, those kinds of things can really throw somebody's life. And so, you know, going back to old kind of coping mechanisms sometimes can um, be a, a temptation there. So, but that's... Slightly off topic. Yeah, the yeah. stages of change, they apply generally, but, you know, if someone has a mental health issue, mm-hmm. this is not necessarily going to stick. Yeah, I mean, this is still a good thing to kind of keep in mind, but the support aspect in that maintenance and termination is is honestly really key to kind of helping someone continue in that. And it's, again, more kind of in a thought process of active recovery, where someone is still actively doing the things that they need to do to keep themselves, you know, on a healthy eating plan or keeping themselves sober or stopping smoke or, you know, not smoking or things like that. Um, But if they set themselves up in a support system where they have people to rely on, like they're not hanging out with smokers necessarily or limiting how much they might do that or they have a buddy that if they are going to hang out with you know a group of people that smoke they have a friend that doesn't smoke and they can kind of have that you know support system like those kinds of things but they're forward thinking and actively thinking about those so okay so i'll I'll bring this back a little bit to what we're really talking about here the uh the ttm (laughs) uh stages of change so for and that's that kind of applies just for anyone people Mm -hmm. in general so if you're in the maintenance stage and you're looking to transition into termination or completion but you know in your incompletion say you're a year or two in but you um you hang out with a group of friends and all of a sudden there's a pizza party or whatever or it's like the super bowl you've been you all good all year you've been good and then all of a sudden pizza wings nachos soda pop uh beer (laughs) you know and then you go nuts and you're way off the rails 
Is that kind of thing acceptable? Are you still in completion if that sort of thing happens? Yeah, and that's where it depends. And I, I, that's a good point to make because that's what will determine if someone is actually in active maintenance or, or termination or whatever, is that if they can go and do that and then the next day just go back to what they were doing, they usually that's that's kind of like they don't think about it. They're not guilting themselves. They're like, I'm just going to go back to what I'm doing. And then that's how it is versus where I have other clients where the, the relapse or lapse part happens where they, you know, experience a lot of guilt and, you know, they're like, I can't eat as much on Monday and they start to kind of feel really bad. And then they're like, or it, it follows them into the week. So like, especially with desserts or taking there are leftovers. Yeah. Leftovers. And then it follows them into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then they're just like, off you know for the whole week and then there's again that mental aspect of like you know guilt and negativity about everything and their progress and then that can filter into like stopping exercise Man, the holiday <laughs> so. season keeps you guys employed for a lifetime <laughs> that's like literally every november and december and january mm. it's built into modern society at, at this point it's, it's built into the first world yeah that that's what happens every year on top of flu season of all things yeah and it's funny because i have some clients and again this is kind of where it depends on what someone's end goal is in terms of what their optimal wellness looks like and what their wellness vision is and that's going to be different for everybody because i have some clients who enter into the holidays and they're like i'm going to enjoy myself i'm going to have cookies if i want um oh yeah (laughs) i'm going to enjoy the time with my family and they're not going to stress over it because that's a huge piece of being in kind of this termination aspect or completion is that they can eat what they want and make those choices and not attach guilt or shame or anything with it with so a chart. So let me ask you, as a dietitian then, if you have a client who sort of does that, but it's somewhat cyclical mm-hmm. with like the seasons, because here, this is what I used to do in college and my like early and mid-20s, you might remember this, where um, you know the holidays, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. And for like summer vacation, anything goes. That was what I would say, anything goes. But uh, I would... I would go through stages where it was like, you know, if um, if it was winter, I would try to put on weight. And if it was going into the spring, I would start to cut body fat, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If someone has seasonal behaviors like that, where it seems like they're kind of all over the place, but it's sort of a planned thing. Are you, is, is as a dietitian, would you be okay with helping someone maintain that? Or would you recommend them to go with a different approach? It depends. And it really depends on the client, to be honest. Like, I have, I work with a lot of clients who have diabetes and high cholesterol. And so, you know, they don't necessarily want to go off the rails during the holidays because their blood sugar goes all over the place. And it doesn't mean that they can't have cookies or anything like that. They just kind of have to be a little bit more mindful about planning when that happens and their portions. And so they're aware of how much they have. So they still allow themselves to, you know, consume cookies or eat extra portions, but they're just more mindful of you know, exercise and and what they eat that rest of the day, not to restrict themselves, but to still make sure that they're kind of maintaining their, their, you know, diabetes or their condition. Um, So that's kind of one piece of it. And then there's the other piece of, you know, I have clients where, you know, they may have go to a party and enjoy themselves, but they're kind of like hard and fast rule is I'm not going to take anything home. So they enjoy themselves, but they don't want it in the house because they know that that is something that they if it's there, they're going to eat it and they, they don't want to. Um, and you know, if it's there, it might be just out of boredom and because it's there. But it, it allows them also to kind of have fun when they're at the party to kind of just kind of go at it, you know, in a sense. Um, and then the other aspect is keeping up with things that you can. So, you know, one really key point that I always talk about is what can you do during the holidays? And sometimes that's just 
you know, focusing on stress management and exercise and things like that. So it, it, it really does depend on the client, but we still try to keep like a semblance of some healthy habits, but it might not be, you know, related to food. It could be, you know, the exercise or even hydration. That's one that tends to tank during the Slip holidays. away <laughs> while you're too busy hydrating on eggnog and wine. That's true. <laughs> and beer during the holidays. Gotta love it. Um, all right. So if we're in completion mm-hmm. or yeah, I like the word completion. Better. I, yeah, I'm just I should probably just saying it. <laughs> um, what, what do you do as the dietitian then? Like, what do you do for the client? So at this point, the client, it's a part of their life and, and a, in a way they don't necessarily need me. Um, but a few things that I do in this stage. One is to celebrate the client's success. So sometimes people move from one thing to the other to the other and without kind of celebrating the progress that they've made. And while it doesn't seem like, well, why do you want to celebrate everything? You know, that's where people can kind of lose track of how much they've put in time and effort and made the changes. And so being able to like celebrate what they've done, not like with a party necessarily, but just, you know. Pizza party. <laughs> you know what's been what's worked well and you know how that's been going so at this stage sometimes I have clients who they don't necessarily need me and so they they may kind of terminate services which again sounds you know terrible but um that's where termination comes that from. is kind of where termination comes so they um and it's you know for for my clients in particular a lot of them a lot of them stay on like my they may depart they depart they say goodbye. Yes. Termination of, of <laughs> services. Jeez, I know. What are you, a robot? Sorry. Um, but they may like, they'll be on my email list. They still might do things, you know, like in terms of, you know, sign up for classes or stuff like that. But they're they're not necessarily actively seeing me. Um, you know, we might check in here and there, but they might, you know, kind of, we might part ways, you know, where they're, they don't need to schedule sessions, you know, and that's, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, it's kind of the end goal, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but sometimes at this point, clients are, normally when I have clients in, in one B, and again, it, everything's kind of overlapping, to get, overlapping together, I'll have clients who are kind of moving into maintenance and, and kind of completion with some things and then starting new goals. And so it's kind of flowing in a sense. because It oscillates. Yeah, we're creating other things to focus on. So they've maybe, maybe the exercise part of it is going really well. It's something they're maintaining. And now they're focusing on adding in more vegetables or maybe the cooking aspect is going well. And now they want to focus on their hydration. And so they're kind of filtering in other goals. And that's, that's where I come in is, you know, helping to not overwhelm them. And, you know, sometimes the overconfidence can come in where they're like, okay, I could do this, this, and this. And then that can kind of get somebody into this kind of overwhelming feeling. Uh, So being there to, again, you know, how things are going to work well and setting smart goals and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like if you see your doctor because you have a health problem. Once the health problem is gone, you don't just forget about your doctor. Yeah. You're kind of a diet doctor. Yeah. I mean, you're there if they need you. It's kind of like, you know, and you might have like checkups, like how you would go in for maybe like an annual physical. You know, some people do that just to check in, see how things are going, you know, touch base. Um, But it could be a really short kind of appointment or it could be a a quick email check-in. And then again, they know that I'm there in the event that something does happen or something changes. And I think we kind of briefly highlighted this before is that, you know, sometimes people have things that happen where they have a new diagnosis or, um, you know, something happens in their life like i think we've been like getting pregnant or you know things like that where they would want to return Suddenly, yeah. to you know seeing a dietitian your so. services become valuable again exactly more so than ever before i would imagine in, in a situation like that yeah um well i would imagine also too and maybe this is 
mildly unethical, but you could gently remind people that they are covered for three or six or whatever appointments per year on their plan, and it's something they're already paying for. They might as well get some more out of their healthcare coverage if that's what they're doing with you, if they're covered through insurance. I don't know if that's unethical or not to remind them that it's not going to mm-hmm. cost anything to them. No, it's not unethical to, to let people know their benefits. And, and it is something that I do is just, you know, remind them that, you know, what their insurance covers and to leave it open. So, you know, what would be unethical for me to say that and then say, well, you really should just use your visits and, and schedule with me and then like kind of holding them captive that that would be unethical. Um, so being able to say like, hey, you have the visits if you want to do a check in and touch base and, you know, if something comes up, like I kind of put it on them to say, you know, here's some moments where you might want to come back to the practice or might want to schedule something. Or if you just want to check in, see how things are going, maybe share some of the success you've had to, again, kind of keep the the focus on, you know, their progress and how well they've been doing and celebrate that. That can sometimes be a part of the sessions where it's not me actively doing much necessarily, but just kind of hearing the client out. That can absolutely be a a piece to kind of continuing, um, you know, with things. But yeah. yeah, so if, if a client is on the cusp of completion and they are getting to a point where they probably will no longer be needing your services, it could be wise to tactfully discuss with them leaving an open-ended thread for possibly coming back in for a checkup, given that they are, especially if they are using insurance, that they're already covered for it anyway if it's valuable to them to just check in mm-hmm. that you are available for that and that you're willing to do that. Yeah. You know, it might, it might even seem to, I, I imagine maybe some, maybe some clients perceive that that's a waste of your time. Yeah. And that's, and that, that is actually a key thing to note is that, you know, I, my view is always, I want them to be aware, you know, that I'm here and I want them to be aware of what their insurance covers and to use it if they, you know, are, are able to and want to, but also I want the time to be valuable. So I don't want them to see me just to, to see me and check a box off because usually usually those sessions are like, okay, how are things, you know, and then you start talking about things that aren't nutrition related, which is not really the point of what the coverage is for. And so that's where I kind of ask people, you know, if I get to this point where, you know, they might be feeling like, well, I should just keep seeing her because she'll, you know, get paid for this and, you know, doesn't hurt me. But, you know, at the same time, the appointments aren't productive and they're not helpful for the client in the sense you know, for nutrition or any kind of wellness. So I'll say, what do you think about, you know, continuing? Um, you think that these are still helpful or what, what are your thoughts? And kind of kind of put it to the client and see what they think. So for you, yeah, as for you personally, mm-hmm. you are in a situation where you have a pretty robust client load and a full-time teaching position. Yeah. There are other dietitians who are nowhere near that. Maybe yeah. they have three or five or 10 clients. Mm-hmm. For them, there may be more value in trying to make these completion visits, appointments, um, sessions more valuable to the client. So let's, what, what are some ways that a dietitian could make these um, appointments with a client who's in completion more valuable? Um, so one, asking them what else they'd like to work on. So they may have completed one thing, but they might not have focused on other areas. And that's where we, we mentioned the wellness wheel, but that's actually where those kinds of resources can be helpful because it, it can spur conversation about other aspects of wellness that would be under your scope of practice, but maybe not ones the client was thinking about. So opening the door for more conversations, absolutely. Um, if again, you know, it's just really not needed for a session, that's where you could say, what do you think about checking in every six months or a year? And again, leaving it up to them because, 
you know, all in all, you don't want to pressure them into doing one thing or the other, because then that also kind of damages the rapport and the trust that you have with them that they're like, well, she's just trying to get a paycheck. It doesn't look good. <laughs> so, and it's yeah, also not, unethical. So, um, you know, and, you know, being able to kind of leave it open, because if you leave somebody in a place where they decide you've given them options, you, you know, here's what we could continue doing, or here's options, but, you know, you're welcome, obviously, to do whatever they are more likely to return to you because I've had clients where we got to a point where, you know, they they didn't necessarily need my services. They weren't really interested in kind of checking in in that aspect. They were just like, no, I'll reach out to you if I need to. Um, But then they sent other people to me and then they came back later. So that's also an opportunity as well, Um, you know. Yeah, of course, word of mouth and referrals are a big way that a lot of people get clients across any kind of business, Mm -hmm. especially when it's like a one-person show, a private practice such as yours. But I think it's also valuable, you know, a lot of people seeing a dietitian that get to a point where they're good with their diet, there may be value in sort of illuminating what else what else is within the scope of practice for a dietitian, what else you could offer to them. Mm-hmm. I think pairing that with the open-ended, well, you know, check in whenever you want, is probably valuable. I, I think pr- maybe that um, newer dietitians might not be fully taking advantage of their full range of scope is that your impression at all yeah or like i think sometimes people focus so heavily on like food which is you know obviously a huge part of what we do but you know the other aspects of wellness which are underneath the scope and then we did mention exercise and the scope of practice is something we will cover in a future podcast um probably two episodes later or so but um you know the exercise part and it you know again designing a program might be out of the scope but unless you have other credentials but um talking about fitness and movement and you know even again client generated goals so you not necessarily saying you need to go out and you know run for 30 minutes and do 10 minute push up and like designing this whole workout for them but saying what do you think about you know a workout plan what were you kind of thinking of and you put it in their hands to decide um, what they're going to do but you're kind of spurring the conversation and facilitating that conversation is a huge part of where you can come in so okay so a client if they're in completion or termination you um you know that they're unconsciously competent with Mm -hmm. their habits and with healthy lifestyle the the changes they made that they were that they took action with and they, they were maintaining for a long period of time are now just something they do as part of their life at this point as a dietitian you when you're seeing them it's more about okay what else can we do what mm-hmm. else can i help you with um i uh, this and that are within my scope of practice if you'd like to look at these other things on the wellness wheel yes but um, it's also a good idea to leave it open for them to maybe stop seeing you. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe that completes your services with them as well. That's sort of a good idea to be tactful with. And then potentially they come back to you once a year, twice a year mm-hmm. for life. Or maybe they refer other clients to you. But that sort is that is that a fair summation of the completion stage six? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'll highlight, too, is that you will if you, if you ask the question what else would you like to work on they might be like i don't know you tell me so that's where having something like a wheel wellness wheel or there's a bunch of other like wellness inventory is another one is kind of similar but having those kinds of resources to say well i have a, a resource that talks about wellness as a whole and and you know here's what where you know we are areas of, that we could talk about 
you know, having that as a, again, kind of like a little feeder conversation can be really helpful because it might catch you off guard. Cause I've had that when I first started where someone's like, well, you tell me what we should do next. And I was like, um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> so, well, so, that's not very valuable. Then, you know, but. no. Yeah. Being able to kind of facilitate the conversation, you know, ask them first, but if they're not sure or they're not sure where you can help specifically being able to say, here's what other services I offer, um, or here's, you know, some ideas of other topics or, very first session that I have with clients, we talk about a lot of topics and I jot those down. And so if we get to a point at the end, I'll sometimes revisit and say, well, I know the first session that we had a while ago, you mentioned that it would be helpful to talk about um, hydration. So is that something you'd still like to talk about more? We can, you know. Oh man, we got to do a general tips thing for oh. like, we need to do one podcast where it's like general tips because it, detailed note-taking like oh, that's something yeah. you do but not a lot of people really do that we do probably yeah. have some videos and stuff like that already yeah if, think, if we do i'll link them yeah so I that's know. completion um <laughs> mm-hmm. do you do you do you want to round out all six stages just briefly touch on each of the six stages just a little synopsis for each yeah so again stages of change five or six six stages so this is um, the trans theoretical model trans theoretical that that models these stages of change that clients or anyone goes through with with a, a variety of mm-hmm. different disciplines Yes. And so this is, again, explaining how people change in the behavior and kind of where they are, in a sense, mentally um, when they are in these different stages. And then that also allows you to better help them as, you know, the dietitian or, you know, clinician. But uh, first stage, um, pre-contemplation. So not thinking about change, not ready for change, may not even be aware that they need to change. They move into this contemplation where they're thinking about uh, maybe changing, but they're not making a change and you know the next the near future and so they have pros and cons they're kind of sitting on the fence they're like i don't know maybe i should but maybe i shouldn't um and then they move into the preparation stage where they are thinking about the change and they're kind of preparing to make prepare (laughs) they're preparing to make the change um and maybe they're getting ready they're gearing up yeah they're gearing up and they have um maybe they're going to start the change in the next 30 days and they may be taking small steps at this point too. So maybe they've already started to get a gym membership or get their gym clothes or maybe started to walk, but they're not kind of in this action just yet um, consistently. So action would be the next stage. And that's where someone is doing um, what they had said. So maybe they're walking three days a week and they're, you know, starting to do that consistently. They may start to tweak goals there. And then they move into maintenance where they've been actively doing whatever their changes for the last six months and then completion or what did you say? Oh, unconscious competence? Yes, unconscious competence um, or termination. Um, at this stage, they are not even thinking about it anymore. It's just a part of what they do um, on a daily basis. I'm going to start a petition to change this term to completion for stage six. Termination is, that's like a word used for many, many negative. Like if you get fired, <laughs> it's that's termination. That's, I don't know. It's, I it's didn't such think a, about that. It has such a negative <laughs> connotation to it. But yeah. we should probably just call it completion. Forever. Completion. Everyone forever. If you're a dietitian listening to this and you are using these stages of change, let's go with completion. Huh? <laughs> what do you say? All right. I think that that probably about wraps it up. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for joining us for the stages five and six of the trans theoretical model. An excellent model for for taking any type of client through any service, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff. This is a, a very concise and well planned out theory, a model if you will. 
what do we want to cap off with? What, what's next? What do we get into next? This, is, this has been a wild ride here for the <laughs> trans theoretical model. What's next on the docket? So actually next, already planned. I'm very excited. And we're going to talk about why I got into private practice and kind of the first co- the first things that I did to kind of prepare myself and um, just kind of that beginning stage. And then that'll lead to some future podcasts about private practice more specifically. But That's yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah. How you prepared to take the leap. Yes. I remember. I'm so ex- I'm excited about that. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for us here. Thanks so much for being with us today mm-hmm. for the stages five and six of the trans theoretical model. I've been your producer, Adam. With me, of course, the expert, the star of the show, Felicia Peraza, <laughs> PerazaNutrition.com, Instagram, Facebook, at Peraza Nutrition on Instagram, and My Already Journey yes. as well. Yep, at My Already uh, Journey. They do both have two separate facebook pages yes check in um by all means like follow all that good stuff felicia is very active on all those platforms and she provides some in my opinion excellent content (laughs) that'll do it for us here thanks so much for being with us thank you do you want to smile at the end